Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially, Grace, Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. Hello, everyone, and happy Friday to you. Welcome back to the Grace Curley Show. The number is 844-500-4242. We're going to be taking a lot of calls today. We've got some great guests lined up, including Aaron Chadbourne from Maine. We've got Ben Weingarten in the 1 o'clock, so it's going to be a jam-packed show. And I, I think it's pretty obvious what story we're going to be going with for the next three hours. I don't think anyone needs to take any guesses here. A Pop-Tart mascot has won over the hearts of Americans everywhere. I don't know if people saw this story. You should have. A giant Pop-Tart went into a toaster at a football game and then was eaten by the Kansas State football players on TV. And I think that that's, that's worth three hours, in my opinion. Kidding, of course, we are going to be talking about the decision from Maine Secretary of State, Shenna Bellows. Uh, we have tons to talk about with that. We will get to the Pop-Tart thing I said. That wasn't made up. That actually did happen. We will talk about it at some point because, you know, I never miss a good Pop-Tart story. But this main story is wild. So let me run through some of the basics here. And I'm, I'm happy because I'm working on something right now. It's amazing how... When I plan to do a column, the weeks go by sometimes, and I'm like, oh, I gotta write something. And then last night, this happened, and I thought, I could write about this. So I've been working on this for a couple of hours now, and I feel like I know what question I want to throw out to the audience. But before I do, let's go over the basics. Maine Secretary of State, Shenna Bellows, who was on with Aaron Chadbourne this morning. So he's got the hot scoop for us, and he's gonna break it down for us later today. She ruled that Trump's name should be removed from the ballot. Now, as a lot of you remember, this happened also in Colorado, thanks to the Supreme Court in Colorado. It was not the Secretary of State in Colorado, but the Supreme Court. This is a little bit different. This is on the basis of the 14th Amendment. A lot of people call that the Insurrection Clause. The J6 Clause. So Shenna who, by the way, is a social justice warrior based off her old tweets and her old T-shirts. We will get into that. But I should mention she's a nonpartisan, fair and balanced social justice warrior. You can trust her. She's not like the others. She has decided, based off the 14th Amendment, but really she's basing her decision about how Trump incited an insurrection, she's basing that off the January 6th report. Now, this to me, I love talking about this report because it's comical. So I was reading this decision and I see January 6th report and she mentions in it. And I'm paraphrasing here. I'll actually read it to you. Um, I have it all highlighted, ready to go. But she mentions how Trump's team was upset about using the January 6th report. They did not think that was fair because they thought that it was biased. They thought that it was inaccurate. And she goes on to explain how. 
Yeah, all, you know, all reports from Congress are going to have some level of bias, but she thinks she can trust this one because a lot of it's based off video and yada, yada, yada. And that to me was right there. I read that and I thought we could do the whole show on this, the whole show on why you shouldn't be trusting the January 6th report for anything. So she bases this off the January 6th report that Trump engaged in an insurrection. Now, was Trump convicted of partaking in an insurrection in a rebellion against the United States government? No. But Grace, was he charged with an insurrection? No. But Shenna knows best. So she's taken him off the ballot. Now, like the Supreme Court justices in Colorado, Shenna also stayed her ruling pending a decision from a superior court. In other words... She knows this is on a fast track to nowhere. It does not pass the smell test. It's not going to hold up, but she's doing it anyway, because why not? And as Ben Weingarten tweeted, and this is something I'm going to ask him about, he said, what is the deterrence against this political lawfare? Like, why not partake in it if you're a Democrat? So there's now there's tweets coming out from Shenna's past. This one was from 2020. She must have been watching the debate. And she said she was tapping out, but excited to vote for Biden as soon as I can. Let's restore civility. Hashtag let the people decide. And I don't know if anyone's caught the uh, Senate sex tape, but civility has been restored. So Shana can rest easy on that. There's so much civility. People are topless at the White House now. Civility is back, baby. Just like America, civility is back. But that's what she wanted. She wanted us to restore civility and then hashtag let the people decide. It would seem that now Shenna's hashtag might be, let Shenna decide. Let me decide for you. I know what I'm doing. And so when I was listening to her interview today with Aaron, I noticed she's very defensive of her decisions. She also went on like MSNBC, CNN. She did the rounds. And you can tell that she's not ready for the backlash you know if you're going to make one of these decisions you you have to be like an adam schiff you have to be a liz cheney you have to be excited for the hate you're going to get i can tell just from listening to her she's not prepared for this and she keeps kind of going back to this whole thing about she didn't she didn't make this decision out of nowhere she needs to explain that to the little people like grace Curley that this was brought to her and she had to make a decision and of course, she didn't have to make this decision. So I was unsure why she kept referring back to that. Like, oh, I didn't, you know, I, there was a hearing and I had to, I had to rule on this. We're going to get into the decision that she made. But my real question for the audience, and I have my theories, is how does this play? How does this play with independence? Because the get Trump crowd is going to get Trump reelected, in my opinion. That is the road we are currently on. And I think there's a number of factors for this. So I was thinking about it, and I've talked about this before, about independence. I find independence to be fascinating because I cannot relate. You know how when you watch like a murder mystery, CSI or something, there's always that one detective who everyone doubts at every episode, every step of the way, they're always doubting him or her, and they're always right. After like the 15th time of everyone doubting them, it's like, guys, I have a pretty good track record. Why don't we go with my crazy idea for once? I'm thinking of Vincent D'Onofrio in Law & Order. Everyone's, oh, that's a crazy idea. Turns out he was right. But sometimes those detectives, like, they get into the mind of a killer. You know, they walk around. 
they go, he would have gone here and then he would have looked here. That's what you need to do to understand independence. You need to try to get into how they're going to react to things because they're the ones who are going to decide this election. It's not going to be Trump's base of MAGA supporters. It's not going to be, you know, Shenna Bellow's uh, friends at the coffee shop. It's going to be people who are not that invested in politics, who aren't obsessed with it. So to win in politics, people who are obsessed with politics need to try to understand how things are going to be received by people who are not obsessed with politics about politics. And that's really hard. If you're in this every day, it's really hard to try to understand how someone who's not really into this would receive this. But I have some theories. I think this is going to backfire. I know you won't believe that. Back, something's going to backfire on the Democrats? How could that be? Here's why I think it's going to backfire. One is because it takes a lot now to shock the American people, especially when it comes to Donald Trump. Ballot ban compared to like mugshot, impeachment, FBI raid, it's not that sexy. It's There's nothing really about it that if you're just walking around your day-to-day life paying uh, an astronomical price for eggs, that you're really going to catch on to this it's going to kind of go in one ear out the other that's number one i don't think people are as easily shocked anymore unprecedented historic news is kind of a daily routine for all of us at this point now also the thing we're supposed to be shocked about is january 6th and the further out we get from that the more ridiculous the hyperbolic language sounds around that day. When you think that Kamala Harris compared it to the Civil War, Pearl Harbor, 9-11, the further out we get, the more insulting and ludicrous those comparisons become. But the real reason I think this is going to backfire is because they're banking on independents hearing these headlines. They know it's not going to stand. As I mentioned, they already stayed these rulings. They know it's not going to stand. They're banking on independents hearing this and then being so turned off by the news and, and having such a bad taste in their mouths that they would rather vote for Joe Biden, despite his handling of the economy, despite his handling of the southern border, despite his handling of crime, despite his handling of Afghanistan, despite all the wars breaking out under Joe Biden, that they are going to be so shocked and appalled at the Trump ban from Maine, Colorado ballots that they'll, they'll remember that when they go in to vote. And they won't vote for Trump. I think that's a tall task. And the main reason I don't think this is going to work beyond everything else is human nature. People like to make their own decisions. People like choices. And, you know, if you want to get real specific here, Americans like choices. Americans don't take kindly to being told what to do and being told that they can't make their own decisions it's like the it's like the streisand effect you tell somebody you can't have that you can't see that what do they want to do they go well why not what could it be that bad what are you talking about they start to dig in a little bit and i i mentioned jared that i 
recently watched the John Adams miniseries. There's this really good part of it where he's trying to explain to Abigail Adams that he's going to go to Congress and he's going to convince them they need to declare independence. And he gets really heated and he was a really smart guy and he's quoting all these men and he's saying, I'm going to do this. I don't care if I have to stand there until my knees break out. I'm going to just stand there and tell them what we need to do. And she looks at him and she says, men like to feel like they've come to decisions on their own. They don't like to be forced to do anything. And he doesn't listen to her. And then she was proven right. They, they, it took them a long time to get on board because he was shoving it down their throats. I think this is a similar scenario where it's like, don't tell me I can't vote for somebody. I'll decide if I can vote for somebody. I don't need you to dictate who I can and cannot vote for. I come to that I come to that decision on my own. I look at a lot of factors. I say, "Hey, I like this guy more than this guy." That's one thing. But you forcing my hand, not as crazy about that. And if history is any guide, they would get this. But here's the thing about Democrats. They don't like history, let alone American history. That was canceled a long time ago. Those statues were ripped down a long time ago. So they're not going to they're not going to try to understand why people wouldn't want this. They're going to do it anyway. Because they're so obsessed with getting Trump, they've lost all common sense. We'll talk about this. We'll take your calls. It's 844-500-4242. Hashtag let the people decide. And we'll be right back. Uh, you know, Jared, it's getting chilly out. It's not too bad today, but it goes so back and forth. This is one of those winters where every day I wake up, I'm like, it's either going to be warm out and I got to shut the heat off totally or it's going to be freezing out and I got to heat up the whole house. But luckily for me, I don't need to do either of those things because I've got the Gen 40 heater. The great thing about the Gen 40 heater is you can take it wherever you go and you can heat up the space around you. So if you're sitting in the living room and you want to have that fireplace type of warm heat, you just turn it on. If you're up in your office, you turn it on. But by not having to heat up the basement, the guest room, the kitchen, you're saving yourself lots of money in bills. And I think that's something we can all look forward to. Yeah, I mean, 2024 is an election year, but it does not look like the economy is getting better anytime soon. So save money where you can. Supplement with the Impure Gen 40 heater. And the great thing about it is you can move it from room to room. So it's not like you have to set it up and leave it. No, you can take it with you wherever you go. And in, what I like about the Gen 40 is, and a lot of the Eden Pure heaters have this look to them, they have this kind of mid-century aesthetic to them uh, where there's like this wood panel look with some nice black uh, panels and things like that in front of it. So it really looks sharp in the room. It's almost like a piece of furniture rather than uh, an intrusive heater. Yeah, and if you guys want to see what Jared's talking about, you can go to EdenPureDeals.com and look at the Gen 40 heater. You know, make your decision. Like I said, people like choices. You go, you look at it, you see the pros. There's a lot of pros. I don't know of any cons, but you can look at the pros and you can look at the heater and decide if you want it. You make that choice yourself. Go to EdenPureDeals.com and then you're going to enter code GRACE50. You enter code GRACE50, you'll get $50 off the product. You'll also get free shipping. So it's EdenPureDeals.com. Enter code GRACE50 for one more week. You'll get $50 off. EdenPureDeals.com. Don't forget code GRACE50. We'll be right back. The Grace Curley Show will be right back. This is The Grace Curley Show.
Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. Mr. Trump's objections to the admissibility of the report are overruled. Skipping around here just a little bit. These are just the points I highlighted. You can look at the whole decision yourself. As an initial matter, Mr. Trump's objections hinge largely on rules of evidence that do not govern this proceeding. The fact that a report includes hearsay, contains irrelevant facts, or lacks foundation does not automatically render it inadmissible under the APA. Rather, the central question is whether... Under Section 90572, it is the type of evidence on which reasonable persons are accustomed to rely in serious affairs. I rule, this is Shenna Bellows, main secretary of state, I rule that the January 6th report meets this standard. And later she says, unless sources of information or other circumstances indicate lack of trustworthiness. Now, I would rule that the January 6th report, just from that alone, has to be taken off the table. This is a report that was concocted by the likes of Adam Schiff, Jamie Raskin, Liz Cheney, a TV producer who came in to give it a little razzle-dazzle. And we're supposed to take this and use it as a reason to kick somebody off the ballot based off insurrection, which they weren't even charged with? That's a stretch. Let's go to Stephanie. You're up first on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Stephanie. Hi, Grace. Hello. What's going on? So I just, um, I live in the state of Maine, and I did call the Secretary of State. Um, I didn't get to talk to Shenna, but I got to talk to her assistant. And so if anyone wants to call them, that number over there is 207-626-8400. And I let them know that I thought it was election interference and that they're trying to rig the election and taking away my vote. And um, so I just kind of gave them my grievances. Good for you, uh, Stephanie. That's that's exactly what you should be doing. And to your point, it's election interference from people who claim to care so much about stopping election interference. They're obsessed with saving Mm -hmm. democracy. This is like the only way to save democracy is to kill it first. Democracy needs to be killed in order for us to save it. It's absolutely ridiculous. Thank you, Stephanie, for the call. And um, the number she said is 207-626-8400 for anyone who missed it. I'll I'll keep giving that as the show goes on. It's a good idea. Let's go to Bill. You're up next on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Bill. Yes, I just wanted to say thank you. Um, I also agree that uh, the the election, this is definitely, you know, this is definitely election interference. They're trying to take away our right to vote for who we choose to vote. And I personally think that the Supreme Court needs to nullify 14-3 to begin with. It was set up back to stop Confederates from being able to run, which inadvertently goes against the Constitution and is, is taking people's rights away to vote for who we chose to vote for. If somebody would have come up from them and said, hey, and we they voted for him. Why wouldn't it be legal? And you know what? I just it, also wanted to give a it's, sorry. shout out to go ahead, Bill. The, oh, sorry. I wanted to give a shout out to uh, the Swing Gate. I don't know if you know who they are, but they are also advertising your guys' show and letting people know to reach out to you guys and to giving uh, the little troll Miss Bell's information on how to contact her too. Well, Bill, I just want to comment on your first thing about the 14th Amendment. I don't have an issue with it. National Review has a story on this thing exactly where I think the headline was like, it's not that it's not about the 14th Amendment is that this is not this is not the time to use it. Like if someone did 
if someone did incite an insurrection in a world, I sound like one of those guys from the movies, in a world where someone incites an insurrection, I have no issue with the 14th Amendment being used. That's not what this was. That is not what this was. And furthermore, even if you do think it's what it was, shouldn't he be charged with it first? I know CNN calls due process a loophole, but I like due process. Aaron Chabor next. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Again, I am so mindful, and I, I said this in my decision, uh, that it is unprecedented. No secretary of state has ever deprived a presidential candidate of ballot access based on Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. But no presidential candidate has ever engaged in insurrection and been disqualified under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. That was Shenna Bellows, Maine Secretary of State, who has now decided that Donald Trump should not be on the ballot in Maine. But if it's any if it's of any comfort to our Maine listeners, she knows how unprecedented this is. You could actually hear it sounded like she was pretty happy about how unprecedented no one has ever done this before until I showed up. Well, joining us now to talk about this, I, I'm going to give him an introduction, even though I know he doesn't need one. My listeners are big fans of Aaron Chadbourne, former senior policy advisor for Governor Paul LePage. Um, he fills in a lot on WGAN, and he's a real estate, I'm going to call you, Aaron, a real estate tycoon. Aaron Chadbourne joins us now. And Aaron, you had a pretty impressive guest this morning, given the news. Tell people who you interviewed. Well, Grace, as you were playing that clip of Shenna Bellows, I said, oh, she couldn't have said that on my interview, because when she talked about it being unprecedented, notice she said it's unprecedented in history, but it's also unprecedented in this very election. Every other Secretary of State that's looked at this, this same election, has reached the other conclusion, but she and she alone <laughs> is going to save the democracy. Yeah, that's the part of this, Aaron, that I, I think is really rubbing people the wrong way. And in your interview with her, you did bring this up, the fact that Trump hasn't been charged with anything. And, you know, maybe I'm old school here. Maybe I'm lame. But I'm a big fan of due process. And I would think that Shenna Bellows would be a fan of that as well. Um, but based off your interview, and I encourage people to go listen to this uh, at WGAN, Based off your interview with her, she seems very defensive and she seems like she keeps trying to make the point that she didn't bring this. She didn't bring this up. She didn't want this to happen. She was given this hearing and she had to make a decision. Do you buy that? Are you buying her kind of defensive excuses? I do want to give her credit because she did come on our show. She knows our audience is not necessarily a friendly MSNBC audience. And so I want to give credit that she was willing to come on the show. But I think I was the first to ask any other questions about the fact that people view this as a partisan ruling, about the fact that Trump has not been convicted. And how do you even go after what's in the 14th Amendment without a conviction? I thought her answer was a little weird, but obviously she was she was trying to make a point. She says, the Constitution doesn't say convicted. It says, what was it, participated in? Or, like, she, she's trying to parse words here. And really, due process means we have a legal system to determine the facts. I guess they say, what's the, what's the situation? Uh, if, if the facts are against you, argue the law. If the law is against you, argue the facts. 
both are against you. I think they say pound the table, but for her, she says, oh, process, had to do it, had to do it. Well, you didn't have to do it. I think this is obviously a concentrated effort. I think it began back when January 6th happened. They started using the word insurrection. She tweeted all about it at the time. And then this this summer, she started conspiring with other secretaries of state to see if there was a way. I think what we've exposed is that main law needs to be fixed because it leaves too much ambiguity and too much discretion that can result in someone abusing their power in this manner. Yeah, and Aaron, the other thing I caught on to, you're right, she used words like duty-bound, you know, obligated. She really acted like, you know, I had no other choice. This was not my, you know, this is not what I wanted. But the other part of this that I couldn't help but notice is she kept referencing in a lot of her interviews about how this is something that is going to go to the Supreme Court. In other words, this is and this is just me, you know, kind of reading into what I thought she was saying. It kind of felt like she was going on these shows and saying, well, it's not going to stand up anyway. It's not going to stand up anyway. And, you know, this happens all the time. I'll make a decision. It will get overturned. And for me, I'm thinking, okay, well, why are you setting it up like that? Like, if you feel this strongly that you are correct, shouldn't you be a little bit, I don't want to say proud of your decision, but shouldn't you be a little bit more confident that maybe you're doing the right thing and not just, well, everyone, just hold on a second, don't worry, I know I made this decision, but it's not like it's actually going to stand up when it gets to the Supreme Court. You know that line at the end of Dumb and Dumber where he says, oh, so you're telling me there's a chance? Yes. I think it's kind of like Chris Christie running for president. Like, he's pretty sure he's not going to be elected, he's not going to get the nomination, he won't be president. But you never know. And I think that must be what Shen is doing here, too. She says, I'll be the one. I'll go out on the limb. I'll be the first ever unprecedented secretary of state. I'll do the rounds on cable news. And even if I'm ruled against, well, hey, I was the social justice warrior who tried. And I think that she thinks there, there might be a chance. Now, Matt and I talked about that this morning on WGAN, and he was saying, you know, the only way that this ends well for the country is if when the Supreme Court decides this, it's not a divided vote. It's not 6-3. A 6-3 ruling here is going to be very devastating and damaging for the country. Hopefully, when the Supreme Court rules, and they're going to have to, they'll do something that's nine zero eight one, something that's definitive, yeah. that says, look, none of this nonsense. We have to be a nation of laws. We have to actually adhere to, to real process. This is crazy. Yeah, I, I've seen uh, you know some people who some conservatives who think that it it might there might be one liberal justice who decides in favor of these rulings like maybe Katanji Brown Jackson but I agree with you I, I hope that this is something where there's not a lot of wiggle room um you, you just mentioned Shenna and that she's going to be the social justice warrior she's going out on a limb you're telling me there's a chance and Aaron as someone who's you know from Maine lives in Maine really one of the the prominent voices in Maine do you think that Shenna because I've been seeing rumblings of this but I don't have anything concrete is she positioning for any sort of political aspirations beyond her current uh, position? Well, Shenna's first foray into politics in Maine. She's a longtime lobbyist. She was executive director of the Maine um, ACLU here, which was one of the first times that it started taking more progressive positions rather than being nonpartisan the way it used to be. But her first foray into politics in Maine was running against Susan Collins for U.S. Senate. So I think most people in Maine have always viewed what Shenna Bellows does through a very political lens. I'll tell you, she's very clever. Uh, when she served in the Maine State Senate, she represented a district that had a lot of Trump supporters and LePage supporters, and she was very aware of that fact. And she would work with us. 
she would work with us when it was in her interest to do so because she knew that her constituents cared about it. So she's always been very politically calculating and very clever. And I think what she's doing here, again, I think she's pushing the boundaries of her power because she sees a shot. It's her shot. It'll get her name on the map. And if you look at, you know, the example of Sarah Gideon, the last person to try to topple Susan Collins, it doesn't take a lot to kind of position yourself as the savior of the Democratic Party. No, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. You go against Trump. That's the easiest way. You know, Trump hates you. You go against Trump. A star is born. That's usually the formula. Um, Aaron, uh, we, we talked a little bit about her past tweets. You know, she's a social justice warrior. And I, I want to get into how this is going to play with independence. But before I do, does it ever amaze you? Because you're someone who's had a career in politics. Does it ever amaze you how everyone has always gone to social media. I keep hearing about judges and secretaries of state. Everyone's always gone to social media to express their political opinions, even if at the time, yeah, tweeting about a debate, it might have seemed pretty benign. But no one ever says, like, eh, I'm in the future. I'm going to pretend to be nonpartisan. I'm going to pretend to be down the middle. So maybe I won't put my thoughts online. Is this like a narcissism thing in our current world where every single person has this digital footprint of their far left or far right opinions? You know, it's I think it's just a symptom of social media and how all this mind rot is going on. It's made people so obsessed with their own little bubble. Uh, I remember during the pandemic and uh, when the Ukrainian war started, the head of the CDC in Maine said, I'm glad everyone on Twitter can stop being a public health expert and start being a foreign policy expert. I don't know why everyone feels the need to register their opinions on social media. I will tell you, I did try to go look at Shanna Bellow's old tweets, and I forgot that in 2018 she blocked me on Twitter. <gasps> so I can't tell you what's on her personal account. <laughs> Other than what I read in the main wire and hat tip to the main wire, the mainwire.com. They're doing great reporting Absolutely. On this and a lot of other things in Maine. And we really appreciate the role that they're playing because the main media largely gives people a pass. And again, I do want to give Secretary Bellows credit for coming on the show with me this morning. She knew it wasn't going to be the friendliest of interviews. I wanted to be respectful of her position. She is the Secretary of State. But to ask her hard questions, too, of, you know, I'm getting questions from people that say, if you're overruled by the courts, will you resign? Most people think that you're a partisan, and this is a partisanly motivated decision. How do you defend that? And she gave answers, but again, the answers pointed back to process. And I heard your, your earlier segment where you said you're not sure she's ready for the criticism that's coming. Um, maybe this is her first foray. Maybe she wants to be. But I do think that she's in for, it, especially if the, the main court doesn't overturn it, which I expect the main court should, right? I don't think it should get to the Supreme Court before the main court rules that she didn't have the authority to do this, that there aren't sufficient facts. And Oh, my God, Grace, relying on the January 6th committee report, right. pretending, that, pretending that it's anything above board. Are you kidding me? No, that that was the part of this where I thought she's either really, really hoping nobody reads into the details of this or she's just incredibly naive if she doesn't understand how biased and how bogus that report was. I mean, we're, we're talking about the likes of Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, what I can never pronounce his name. Um, all these people who have it out for Trump, their entire political careers are in their books. Their follow up books are based off getting Trump. Uh, Aaron, I want to first of all, you're right about Mainwire. They've been doing a great job with this. The second thing, and this is really my last question for you you because we're running out of time unless Aaron can you stay for one more segment I'll hang out as long as you want me Grace okay awesome but I do have one more question in this segment how does this and these are the kind of conversations that I'll call up Aaron when I'm on my way home and we'll debate this all day long how does this play 
with independents. We know how it plays with Trump's base. Trump's base is going to feel like he is a martyr. They are going to feel like he's being attacked. It's a witch hunt. They're going to be re-energized as if they need more enthusiasm. And then you have the left who they're going to, you know, put this on their Facebook pages. They're going to get a little hit of dopamine from the headlines. And no one really on either side of the political spectrum is changing. But the people in the middle, the people who are not obsessed with politics, the people who are not like you and I, Aaron, how do they receive this information going into 2024? I'll agree. You do usually call me when you're at the grocery store, so I don't quite recognize the conversation with that beep in the background. (laughs) But I would say that those are the people that are the most outraged by this. I think the far-right activists are used to this. People like me who've worked for, for, you know, when I worked for Paula Page, they tried to impeach him over a nasty voicemail that he left for someone, right? Like, we're used to that fact that this happens. But people that are in the middle, that aren't paying close attention, independents or people that are center-right, center-left, they're looking at this and saying it just doesn't pass the straight-face test. Without a conviction and without clear authority, how is the Secretary of State going to be the only election official in the country to take this action and protect democracy by telling voters they don't have the right to vote for who they want. Yeah, we uh, we had this conversation with the main caller in the last segment. It's, you know, protecting. We have to destroy democracy in order to defend it. That's really what they're trying to argue. We have to make sure you can't vote for who you want to so that we save democracy. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's hypocritical. And, you know, Aaron, you just made me think of it as a different way because I thought... My original thought was independence, people in the middle. It takes a lot to shock them right now. They've seen mugshots. They've seen impeachments. They've seen all this stuff. And nothing really nothing really makes you clutch your pearls anymore after you've seen if every it's almost like if everything's Hitler, nothing's Hitler. If everything's the end of the world, nothing's the end of the world. But to your point, this could be something where if you don't know the ins and outs and you're not you're not very into politics on one way or the other. That little part of the story where they're staying their own rulings and they're basically admitting, well, it's not he's not really going to be off the ballot. You know, he's his name's going to be on the ballot. We're just doing this for political, you know, splash. If you don't know that part of the story or if you're not sure of it and you read this headline now that I'm thinking about it, that is pretty crazy. Like if you were just going to work one day and you go, wait a second, what? They're taking his name off the ballot. That's nuts. And so maybe this does have uh, the the effect that you're talking about, which is maybe it really ticks people off. I think it's got to wake people up. And I'd encourage people to go hear just what Grace said. You go to WGN.com, click on Morning News Podcast. You'll hear my interview this morning with Shanna Bellows. In the interview, she does mention, she says, we're still preparing to put his name on the ballot. I've stayed my ruling to give the courts time to overrule me, and we're making the preparations. So she very well, like your earlier point, does expect that she's likely going to be overruled on this. And so hopefully, I think Grace is going to have the opposite effect. It's going to galvanize the people who are sympathetic to Trump and who are fed up with these extrajudicial measures they're taking you know, this lawfare to go after him. They can't beat him at the ballot box or they're worried that they might not be able to, so they have to disqualify him by other means. We're going to come right back to Aaron Chadbourne. Don't go anywhere. But before we do, Jared Diglio is going to tell us about the Nasa Beach Inn, his favorite place to go. And you went, Jared, off-season, weather just like this, maybe even chillier, and you had the best time of your life. Yes, like Shana Bellows, I am duty-bound to tell you about how great the Nauset Beach in. Uh, but seriously, it was it was uh, fantastic. I went down there uh, right before Christmas uh, a couple of years ago, and it was the best. Uh, the wife and I, we had a great time. We walked the beach because you're literally steps from the beach. And when we were in our room, there was a great picture window 
Uh, all the rooms have a picture window and a fireplace, so you can stay nice and warm. And you can look out and you see the incredible views. And if you're a little braver, we were. We decided we wanted to go out, have our morning coffee, and watch the sunrise. We went out. We sat by the fire pits, and we watched the sunrise in the morning. Uh, you can see the stars at night, the moonrise. All of it is perfect. The views are incredible. It's tranquil. It's peaceful. It's the Cape in winter. You can't beat it. It's pet-friendly. I mean, there's so much to love. And you're not going to be able to stay anywhere for this price. Especially Cape Cod. Jared is right. This price is ridiculous. Right now, you can stay at the Nasa Beach Inn for under $200 this winter. That's right. This is a, a really great deal. They've got rooms open for you right now. So go to NossetBeachInn.com to reserve your ocean view room for under 200 bucks this winter. That's NossetBeachInn.com. NossetBeachInn.com. We're talking to Aaron Chadbourne. We're going to continue this conversation when we come back. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. This is The Grace Curley Show. Today's poll question is brought to you by J.J. Manning Auctioneers. I got to get Justin Manning back on the show because the real estate market is really crazy right now. Aaron Chadbourne could tell us about that as well. But whether residential, commercial, or land, J.J. Manning can get your property sold now. Auctions are a great way to get your property sold. To learn more, contact Charlie Gill at 800-521-0111 or go to jjmanning.com. With over 16,000 sales and satisfied clients, you can be the next one. Jared, what is the poll question and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at gracecurlyshow.com is how will the main decision play with independence in 2024? It will push them toward MAGA, push them toward Biden, or it won't change their decision. Well, I think Aaron and I both pretty much agree here, uh, unless he wants to uh, unless he wants to say something else, but I think it's going to push people towards MAGA. Yeah, 74% of the audience agrees with that. Aaron, you still stand by that? I do. I took the poll question earlier when you posted it, Grace, and I encourage other people to go and vote that way too. But it's, um, I think, I think people, the people I've talked to in Maine that are not political, and these are the people that, by the way, over Christmas, I don't know if you tried this, Grace. I asked people at Christmas, I didn't ask them who they're going to vote for for president, but anyone who was a Democrat or an independent, I said, just tell me which which presidential candidate is your favorite, and they got so uncomfortable, like they couldn't say Biden, but they know they're going to vote for him. But those are the people that have come, and the questions they've asked me about this ruling and this decision is, number one, they know it's headed for the courts, and they want to know who's paying for that. What's the impact on the main taxpayer for right. the legal battles that we're now going to have over the Secretary of State? And I asked her that this morning. But they want to know how much it's going to cost and why are we doing this. They want to know why is Maine an outlier? Why are we the only ones that are doing that? That's ridiculous. And then they want to know this very, very fair question, I think, is how is it possible to make a conclusion of fact that Trump is disqualified because he participated in an insurrection, engaged in an insurrection, if that's not been been found in any court. Like, people look at this and just on its face, they think it's ridiculous. Yeah, and to go back, we only have a minute here, Aaron, but to go back to a point you brought up about the evidence that she used to come to this decision, and she explains her whole decision. People can go read it. I actually found it pretty interesting. She said, I ruled that the January 6th report meets this standard. And that standard is evidence on which reasonable persons are accustomed to rely in serious affairs. 
I would rule, Aaron, that the January 6th report does nothing of the sort. I don't think it it meets the smell test at all. She held a hearing in, in keeping with the Administrative Procedures Act that introduced that into the, the record, so she was able to rely on it. I think we're going to find out a lot more, Grace, as time goes on, about what level of coordination there was with those former state legislators. They need to be looked into who brought this complaint in the first place and introduced that into the record. I think there's a lot more coordination and a bigger effort afoot here, and, and I think that's the type of thing that really leaves a bad taste in people's mouth. What about the picture, Aaron, really quickly? What about the picture of her with Joe Biden? Do we have more information on where that was taken? Oh my gosh, the mailroom manager sent that to me this morning. And I, I just turned the question and I said, can you imagine if a Republican Secretary of State had that picture with Donald Trump, what the reaction would have been? Like the double standard here, I mean, I know I get I get sick of saying it, this whataboutism, but like if it had been Trump on the other way, it would have been inexcusable. Absolutely. Aaron Chadbourne, I encourage everyone to check out his Twitter. Hold on, I'm going to pull it up here. At Aaron Chadbourne. That's where you can find all of his links, all of his pieces, all of his hits. He talked to Shenna Bellows today and so much more. Thank you, Aaron. We appreciate it.